If you've listened to a few episodes of this podcast, you might have picked up that pricing is one of my favorite topics. And it's so fun to talk with someone else who also loves talking pricing or money. And in this episode, you'll meet Catherine Guidry, and she has a lot of valuable insights that you are going to love. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, a podcast all about business tips, inspiration, and confidence building. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, the host of this podcast, and after over a decade as a photographer, I now help talented photographers run sustainable businesses. And for full transparency, you should know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I will probably mention some of those in this episode. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Can you tell me a little bit about your background, like who you are and how you got started and ended up as a photographer and an educator? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Catherine Guidry. I am based in New Orleans, Louisiana. I originally went to school for architecture, thought that I was going to be an architect. But, you know, like many people, you get into college and you hear or you figure out maybe that's not what you thought it was or not what you wanted to do. And so I started taking pictures around 2008. I started with portraits, architecture, of course, photographing buildings that made sense. And then I had the opportunity to photograph my first wedding. And really from that point forward, I kind of felt like this was really where my heart was. I felt like something that I could be passionate about, unlike how I felt towards architecture. (laughs) And then from there, it was just really a journey of trial and error. I did try to second shoot for other people at the time. Our industry was very male-dominated. And although I became friends with a lot of the older male photographers in our area, they all kind of had their businesses established. They had, you know, people on their teams. And so I could network with them a little bit, but I was like sort of on my own to figure out how to do things. And so that's really how I started was with trial and error. And then around 2018 or so, I started my own podcast called Mistakes Make Magic because... I had made so many mistakes on my own that I wanted to kind of help other photographers maybe not make. (laughs) But yeah, that's a little bit about me and how I got started. And now the business is full-time. It's been full-time for a long time, probably since 2010. But of course, over the years, you make more money, which I know we're going to be talking about pricing today. And so yeah, that's a little bit about how I started. Oh, that's really cool. And we have some things in common in terms of how we got started. Because when I got started, it was kind of similar where... I felt like I was all on my own and no one really wanted to talk about how they did things. And I just felt like, is this how it's supposed to be? We can't be friends. We can't like share things. And it was just so closed. And then it's pretty much the reason I started the podcast as well, like to just share what I've learned because I've made a ton of mistakes as well. And I don't (laughs) mind talking about it. Yeah. And I think it's a great way to learn from your own mistakes, like even in reflecting and then to share with other people. So that makes sense. What year did you start? I started my business in 2011 and I started my podcast in 2021, I think. Nice. That's awesome. So it's been some time. But what I've learned is I've worked a lot and I've done probably too much. And sustainability has become my big passion, like just trying to figure out what can we do to make things more sustainable, more lasting, more profitable. And I always ask the question, what is a sustainable business to you? And everyone gives a different answer. And I'm really curious to hear your perspective. 
Well, I have to be honest. I studied architecture. So sustainability in my mind was always like affiliated with design and architecture. And so I Googled the word sustainable because I was like, okay, I need to know how to answer this question. But it said it was able to be maintained at a certain level or rate. So I was like, hmm, okay, what does that mean to me? Well, I feel like as a business owner, entrepreneur, and a human being, I feel like your business has to be a mix of focusing on your personal self in order to sustain that, like your personal being, and then your professional self, like the actual business. So on the personal side, I think you want to make sure that you're having fun, you know, that you're still enjoying what you do, that you're not showing up dreading weddings, that you're making time for your family, your friends, yourself. And I know that's a journey because there were absolutely times in my business where I wasn't leading a sustainable business, right? And then I think on the professional side, that's also a journey because you want to price yourself appropriately, which we're going to be talking about today, and do serve your clients well, create good images. And both of those things have to be in place, I believe, in order to keep doing this. And, you know, I started photographing in 2008. Now it's 2023. And there have been many, many photographers that I started with way back in 08. We would do meetups and hang out and we became friends. And there are some that are no longer doing photography for a variety of reasons. But I find that a lot of times it's that they're either not making enough money to continue to do this or they're just losing their personal selves. And so I really feel like being sustainable to be able to maintain that level or or rate, like you have to have both of those elements in place. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself not happy anymore and not able to make a living. I agree with that so much. And I've had the same feeling of the people who were photographing when I started, they are not doing it anymore, at least many of them. And I think it's so sad. And I think that is something that as educators, we can kind of help do something about, like try to say, okay, so what is it that isn't working? What can we kind of pinpoint and do something about? And one of those things is definitely pricing. Because when I started and when many other photographers start, our prices are just they're just guesswork. You just come up with some kind of random number that sounds like a lot probably at the time. And then that's the start. But what's your approach to pricing? Oh my gosh. Yes. That's such a good point. Uh, First of all, and I did the same thing. Like, I'm not even going to lie about it. I didn't know. I mean, you're starting a business, you're getting gear, you're doing all these things and you're like, okay, well now I have to charge something. So you're kind of just pulling numbers out of the air. (laughs) And so I think that's totally normal. So if you're doing that right now, don't feel like, oh my gosh, everybody know, you know, I think that's a very typical place to start. But the great thing is that you're like tuning in and you're wanting to learn about pricing and you're wanting to make those changes. And so the first thing I wanted to really quick throw out there too is, so you spell my name with a C, like catgresources.com. So catgresources.com. I have a guide that kind of helps people walk through creating their base price. And whenever I say base price, I mean like the minimum that you're going to charge for a wedding. And that price has become really important to my business. And I know the people that have gone through this pricing guide and through our pricing courses, because that's sort of like your, I'm going to be able to sustain this business through the year, pay my bills and make a living. Because my base price, which you'll read in the guide, but I wanted to touch on here too, is like, it's going to factor in a lot of different things that are not arbitrary. Like, how much can you actually work? 
in a year. You know, we might say, oh, I can charge X number of dollars, but in order to pay your bills, that might look like shooting 70 weddings and no one can really physically, I mean, I think at my busiest year, I shot 56. And most photographers, I don't think can take on more than 60 a year. I mean, that's just a lot. That is so much. It's so much. And so, you know, you have to factor in like, how much can you work? And then how much are your bills? You know, everyone's situation is different. You may be in a really amazing, privileged position where you don't have to actually make anything, you know, for a variety of reasons in that position. Okay. And in that case, your numbers are going to vary from someone who is the sole provider for their home and they have $65,000, $75,000 worth of bills a year. And so when you're looking at that base price, you want to really factor in your expenses, how much you can work, how much you want to work. And then from there, that's going to become your absolute minimum price. Like if you take that overall number of, you know, $75,000 a year and you say, I want to shoot 20 weddings or 15 weddings or whatever that number is for you. And then you can divide it and figure out, okay, well, I have to make at least this much for those events. And also side note, one thing that you just like a little asterisk on the side, you might want to think about how many weddings you're booking because your first year, you're probably not going to book 20 weddings. You might book like five to 10 if you're really working hard because you haven't yet built your brand and your portfolio, right? So there's that. And then I have two other strategies that I really think about, which are, I don't ever do one like offering or package. I call them offerings or collections, but I offer my clients in a pricing guide a minimum of three. I think right now we have four. I wouldn't do more than four. And within those pricing like offerings, which are made up of, you know, services and products and all of that good stuff, they can sort of figure out where they fall, what they want. And the more they spend, the more they save. I don't like list the savings or anything like that, but I have an actual formula that I use that will allow me to discount them based on their total spend. And then I'll like discount their add-ons and then they save more money. And then the last thing that I always make sure is that, and this was, I think the hardest part is like, you can put together the offerings, but then someone meets with you or they call you and they're like, well, I really like, you know, your second offering, but I don't want engagements. And then you're like, oh, crap. Like, (laughs) well, now what does that cost? And I have to, you know, go back to the drawing table and figure it out. But I do think that you want to offer your clients the ability to customize because not everyone is going to want the same thing. And even if you go with that one offering, I think, again, everyone's a little different. We actually, Ingville and I were just talking about this. Like everyone does things a little different. Some people like one offering. I think the downfall of that, because I've done it, is that people are really thinking about like not adding on things. They don't want to add because they want to save money. Whereas like when you have those offerings and they can see like, oh, as the offerings grow bigger, I'm saving more money or like there's not as big of a gap in price. They're like, well, if I spend a little bit more, I might save. And so that's kind of how stores like Apple do it, you know, when they bundle things together. And so I always try to observe things that I'm buying as well as a consumer and figuring out like what is going to help me build that like profitable business and also serve the clients well. Yeah, I like that like Starbucks as well, like you just pay a tiny little bit more and the size doubles. And it's like, well, you don't even have to think about it. Of course you'll do that. (laughs) Exactly. And that's like exactly the mindset that I think we should approach pricing with because we're already meeting our base. And Starbucks is too, you know, like Starbucks is going to get their $5 coffee or whatever. But if they bump you up a little, which doesn't cost them much more money, it's like, well, then you feel like you're getting a deal and they're going to make a little bit more. 
And it's just pure profit at that point. Yeah, exactly. And I actually, I do the same that you do. I pay attention to how other businesses do things. And I was just talking with someone yesterday or the day before where, because I also make websites and I was asking this company to take on some of my websites for just like general maintenance, updating things, stuff like that. And they had a deal where if you give them four websites, they're going to give you one of them for free. And I was like, oh, great. What if I give you 10? And they're like, no, it's just those. And it's just like, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. No, because it's like, are you really telling me that you're kind of turning down business beyond that? Because it doesn't make any sense. And you can find those kind of logical gaps in many places. And you want to make sure that your business isn't one of those where if someone is asking for more business, then you kind of punish them by making them pay more. And that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I think like that business, maybe they've never had that question posed yet. Maybe you're the first, right? And they're just saying no, because no one's ever asked. But I think when someone poses the question, don't just say no. Think about like, you know, weekend fees are one of those things that a lot of photographers talk about. Like we have a membership called the Wedding Photography Society in there. We've talked about these little things that pop up you really don't want to do. Well, the first time somebody asks you to shoot on a Sunday, which is like our one day off, don't just say no. Maybe think about, okay, is it a really hard no? Or is it a, I'll do it for this much money. And then you're inadvertently saying no if they don't feel it's valued at that much. But for you, if you're going to take off that Sunday to go and photograph their session, at least you're getting paid. So that company maybe should have thought like, hmm, this person's willing to give me 10 websites. That means I don't have to go get a second customer. What could I charge for that? (laughs) That's my point exactly. Sometimes you think, oh, I don't think this is right. Or this client is asking for too much and you just say no. But you probably could say yes, but that will be X extra. And that's a big missed opportunity. I completely agree with that. So when you're determining the prices, you think about how much time you spend on a job or what are the factors involved in your pricing strategy? Yeah, I think this one's like a really meaty question because, and I think this is also why pricing can feel overwhelming, right? Because it's not just a price that you put out. It's like when you're trying to figure out what to charge, there's so many things. So we talked at the very beginning about when you start a business, and you look at what your competitors are charging and you charge a little less. It's not to say that you want to ignore your market's prices completely. I actually think that you do want to consider your market prices. And it doesn't have to be your local market. You know, maybe you're photographing destination weddings. Maybe you're photographing in your own city. Like depending on where you are, I think that it's a great idea to get to know the people in your market and have conversations around what are they charging? How are they structuring their offerings? Because it will inform your business too. I think we'd be remiss to think that the companies we've even been referencing on the podcast don't do market research. Of course they do. They know the areas, they know the other coffee shops or tech businesses in the area, and they know what they're priced at because you don't want to be so far off that your prices don't make sense at all. Okay. So I think consider your market for sure. I want you, whoever's listening in to think about like your clientele. I think there's a lot of myths about clientele. 
that, oh, if you move into a certain market, they're going to demand more. I really truly believe, especially after doing this for 15 years, and I don't know, Ingvil, if you feel the same way, but it's like people are going to be different no matter the price point. You know, I think you're going to have clients who ask a lot when you don't charge a lot. And then there's going to be clients who ask a lot when you do charge a lot. But I think like kind of observing the client base that you're in, trying to figure out, you know, do you want to shoot a different type of wedding? Maybe like a multi-day event with a higher price point, a bigger team, more responsibilities. Like those are things that you do want to factor in. Cost of products is another one. So, you know, don't just list an album in your offering and not know what that album is actually going to cost you. Because just like if you owned a furniture store, you're not going to sell a sofa that you paid $900 for for a thousand. You'd make no money. Your business would literally fail. And so if we're selling albums and books and prints and all of these things to our clients, we want to make sure that not only are the costs covered, but it's like the cost times two and a half times three. And people know that. You know, they know that you have to sustain the business. Like as a client, I would be shocked if my tile person wasn't charging a profit. I think that that is totally part of running a business. I think you have to consider your schedule. So I know that we're going to talk maybe a little bit about pricing shifting throughout the year and stuff like that or at points in your business. But I feel like you always want to keep a pulse on how many weddings you have booked. And I get it. Like we're busy, we're shooting, we're editing. But I have always got a running tab in my mind of how many weddings we have booked for the remainder of this year and for the next. And we don't book out too much farther than 18 months. If someone comes to me with like a 24-month engagement, I just tell them to circle back in six months. Because I think that we have to keep that pulse and understand that that's really far, at least for me. That's really far for me. And so like keeping tabs on your schedule, then you're not just booking weddings, especially in the beginning when your prices are low, people might see, oh, this photographer is a really low price. And so your calendar may actually fill quickly. And so when you get to that point where you're like, okay, I have seven weddings on the books and you only want 20 or 15, like you might want to kind of monitor where your pricing is so you don't get overbooked. I think one thing, especially in the past couple of years that I've observed is that your prices impact how people perceive your business. You know, wedding planners and venues, they kind of start to categorize you and refer you based on your prices. So if you're the least expensive photographer in the area, well, then that venue or that planner or vendor partner, whoever, they're going to refer you if they have a client who comes in with a low budget and vice versa. If you're kind of on the high end, then they're going to refer you based on that. And so you want to price yourself based on your experience and your knowledge with an awareness of these things that we're talking about, where the wedding is, is there a wedding planner? Like just get as much information as you can. We use a client management system called Dubsado. Do you use Dubsado by chance? I do. Yeah, I love it. Love Dubsado. After 10 years of being with a different company, I switched to Dubsado and I've been so happy to have made the jump. But you know, in Dubsado, we have a contact form, which is like basic information. And then we have a deeper questionnaire. And that questionnaire really allows me to learn about the wedding, about the couple, and to get like a really good pulse on that event. I don't change 
my prices for people. I actually feel very strongly about not doing that. I think it's a bit unethical, but I do think that it's good to understand who is inquiring with you and then who's booking with you just to keep that pulse on your business as you're continuing to evolve your prices moving forward. So I know that's a lot of factors to consider, but they really are all important. And I think that in order to keep that pricing and the business sustainable, you really want to think about all those factors when you're figuring out like, where am I going to price myself in the market? Yeah, there is a lot to it. And I've checked out many pricing calculators and many blog posts and things about pricing. And something that I feel a lot of those are missing is marketing, like time you spend on your business, like marketing and all those kind of behind the scenes things that the time is usually a factor, but it's in terms of like that specific shoot and not all the other things you do. How do you think or how do you feel or how do you factor in all that extra time that you spend on your business? When I thought or when I think of marketing, I guess my brain sort of went to like advertising. And I guess like for the business when I first started, I did do more tangible marketing like trade shows and you know, brochures and like printouts and all kinds of things. Like I would make albums for venues. I don't really do any of that anymore. Interestingly enough, I think as you move a bit more into like the luxury clientele, they are more so listening to their friends, to their family and to their venue and their planners. And so for me, like I really don't spend money. I'm putting it in quotation marks or spend you know, anything, quote unquote, on marketing, because a lot of what I'm spending right now is my time. Like I'm really trying to invest time into relationships and networking. I mean, even I think like a couple of days ago, I like popped into three different places in one day just to kind of make face and show up and just kind of have a presence. And I feel like that really doesn't, quote unquote, cost you anything. And so I don't know if that's a great answer, but that is one of the very few things that I don't invest in. Although I do have a lot of business expenses that do factor in. Yeah, because even though you don't spend money on your marketing, you do spend time. So surely that has to kind of play a part in the pricing as well. So you don't just spend a ton of time and you don't get paid anything for it because that's time that you can't spend doing shooting. Or if you have that problem, then you probably don't need to do much marketing. But yeah. Well, and I think that, yes, what you're saying is so true because in order to have the time, you have to be going back to the very beginning, running a sustainable business because it leaves that space in there. And if you're not charging appropriately based on the amount of work that you're putting in, well, then you're not going to be able to have the time to do the marketing that you need. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's super valid. And you mentioned that you do have other costs involved in running a business and you factor those in. Yes, I do factor those in. So, you know, I had a hard time for a very long time figuring out what those expenses were because as entrepreneurs and especially as wedding photographers, our income is very inconsistent. Like our summer here is dead. There's no weddings hardly in the summer months. But then fall and spring, I can barely keep up. And I'm sure that's pretty relative or relatable depending upon where you guys live, where everyone lives. But, you know, one thing that really helped me was that, okay, well, my 
not only is my income inconsistent, but I felt like my expenses were inconsistent. And so I switched, I would say every bill that I could switch from annual to save a little bit of money, I switched to monthly. And you know, Dave Ramsey would probably be upset with me because I'm spending a little bit more money on on my subscriptions and my softwares and things like that. But it allowed me to get a really solid understanding of what my bills were every month. And so what I was able to do was like take those numbers and add them together. And going back to my base price, multiply it times 12 to get a good idea of like how much I needed to make per year. And then I also kind of took it a step further. And like, you know how in Dubsado, there's the monthly goals on your dashboard? I put that plus a bit on my monthly goals. And every time I open up Dubsado, I can see where am I in terms of like how much I've made that month to know if I've met that monthly goal yet. And, you know, like this month, for example, we're at the 20th right now. And I met the goal a bit early. So it's like a good feeling. Okay, you know, met my goals for the month. And but if you're feeling a little slow and somebody last minute asks you to shoot a portrait session or whatever, you can kind of pick up an extra job. And so you're always kind of keeping that gauge of where you are. I try to pay my subcontractors on a per job basis versus an hourly basis. I know the VA industry is like really developing and really changing. And, you know, if you're having assistants help you with the business, sometimes people don't want to do that. But I think you can negotiate pretty much everything or like work through it together. I don't really love the word negotiate because I'm not trying to buy them down. It's more just figuring out like, okay, how can you make what you need? And I can calculate my expense as well. So like, for example, I have someone that helps me with calling and editing. And when she first started working with me, I would let her charge me per hour because I knew she was learning and I wanted to pay her fairly. But now that we've kind of gotten into a flow, she's been with me for like three years. She knows how long it takes her to call a wedding and edit the wedding. And so I basically just had a conversation with her. Hey, how many hours does it take you to call? How many hours does it take you to edit? And then we came up with a number. And so now every wedding, I know, okay, that part of this wedding is going to cost me this much money and I can just subtract that out. Same thing with your second shooters. Like, overestimate a little bit. If sometimes you hire them for six hours and sometimes you hire them for eight, just factor in eight times their hourly and lump that in when you put your pricing together. And I think that will really help you start to understand not just your personal expenses, but also like your per job expenses and factoring all of that into the total price. So you're not like coming out of pocket. And yeah, there are going to be unexpected things that come up. One thing that always gets me is like Uber costs or food costs on the road, you know, things that you didn't really like think about. But it's good to have those buffers in your pricing just in case. So that way you are covering your basis. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. If you go to emilcolness.com slash shop, you'll find a few offers with your name on them. One of them is the power hour where you can choose profitability as the topic. It may just be what you need to review and update your prices and to make sure that you are making money in your business. I'm sure because of your podcast topic, then you have thought about this quite a lot, but what are some common mistakes that you often see photographers making when it comes to pricing? Yeah. And you know, all of these prices I have made. (laughs) So, you know, I always want to come at it that way because 
I don't want someone listening to feel like, oh, you know, she's calling me out or she sees me like I've learned these things because I've done them myself. But we already touched on one, which is pricing based upon what other people are charging. And the downfall of that is that you don't have that awareness of the things that we've been talking about so far. And what it's going to leave you with is maybe not making enough money, maybe finding yourself unable to sustain the business. And so that's a really big mistake that a lot of people are making. I think arbitrarily making up numbers. I mean, I even heard a photographer say to another, oh, like just figure out what their budget is and just come up with a number. Don't do that. Please, please, please. There are many reasons, one of which is that a lot of your clients are friends and they're referring you. And so if you don't have that strong formula and system, like eventually someone's going to call you out on it and they're going to say, hey, you charge this person this and you charge me this. It's okay if your prices go up over time, but I think it's not okay to not have like an awareness of why you're charging what you're charging. So that would be another one. Pricing too low, which is going to result in burnout overbooking, not being able to keep up, forgetting about that personal side of the sustainable business. And interestingly enough, I also think you can price yourself too high, too quickly. And I just feel like you always hear, oh, charge more, charge more. It's like, okay, yeah, that's great. But are you charging more based on where you are in the business? Like, do you have the knowledge, the capacity? We photographed our first million dollar wedding two years ago. And I remember thinking, holy cow, when I looked at the timeline, it was like 35 pages. When I got the floor plan and the detail list, also like, oh my goodness, you know, just the amount of pressure I felt at that time. And at the time I'd been photographing for over a decade and I knew I could do it. But I also thought, wow, I'm really happy that I waited this long to charge what I did because there's an expectation here for me to be able to show up with my team and document this well. And that's not meant to scare anyone. Like that's just meant to say, don't just price yourself at a certain point because you feel like you have to, but rather do the things that we're talking about so that you have really good understanding of why you're charging what you're charging. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because it is something that we hear again and again, like increase your prices, increase your prices. And for most photographers, that is true. They probably do need to increase their prices. But sometimes someone does it too soon where, yeah, they need to know what they're doing and all that, but they need to be able to provide a good enough client experience to also be worth it because that's such such a huge part of it. Yeah, you take nice photos, but there is that other aspect that the more you charge, the more important that becomes. Absolutely. Yes. And the clients are looking around. And if they're looking at photographer A, another thing, you know, and, and photographer B, and they're like, okay, these two photographers are charging the same thing. And maybe it's a lot. Another thing that could happen too is that maybe photographer A's portfolio maybe isn't there yet. And then they just won't get booked. And that's also you know, the business side of having a sustainable business is like being able to make money. And like, everyone wants to be able to do... I mean, I feel like I want to do this for a living. Obviously, you want to do this for a living. And so, you know, part of being able to do this for a living is getting booked. And you really kind of need to price yourself in that sweet spot to where people feel like you're appropriately charging for your your services, your portfolio, your experience, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So 
What's the best way to get there? Is it increasing the prices incrementally or how do you know when you've reached that sweet spot? I think evaluating how many bookings you have is good. We do raise our prices, I would say probably every six months to a year if we feel like we're still, you know, raising and still getting bookings. And what that's done is it's helped us to match our experience and our portfolio to what we're charging. And then inadvertently like allow us to work less and charge more and move into like more of a luxury space where we can dedicate more time, you know, phone calls, attention to clients and stuff like that. But yeah, I would say we definitely increase prices based on the seasons. I always kind of feel like it's like an early bird savings if someone books us a little early. We don't book out too, too far, like I had mentioned earlier. But if they're in that sweet spot of like, 12 to 16 months out and we don't really have a lot of bookings yet for that season and it's a good fit, good planner, all that, they'll probably get, you know, our lowest rate for that season. And then as that season starts to fill up, our prices also increase. I mean, it's a simple supply and demand. We only have so many dates left. They want to book in that season. There's just not a lot of room. And so that price probably will change for that season later into like the closer we get. If somebody's booking at six months out and we have one date left, they're probably going to pay a little bit more than the person who booked it sooner. And look, I have a four-month engagement, five-month engagement, something like that. So I don't fault anyone for having a short engagement. But I do think like it is important to incrementally raise your prices. I think I may have said this, but in case I didn't, like we raise our prices about $1,000 a year. And as... The world changes. I mean, right now, prices, inflation, everything is crazy. For me to do a destination wedding right now, I'm definitely factoring in the flight price changes. I'm definitely factoring in the hotel price changes. Those are things that you kind of need to keep your eye on. But yeah, so we're definitely uh, adjusting those. And my very first wedding, you know, I charged a thousand, which I think still, which was, you know, to this day, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a thousand dollars. But now we're to a point that for our local weddings, we're charging about ten to 15000 which I think is amazing to be able to work in your own city. It's a big part of why we moved here. And then, of course, if we're doing a destination wedding, it's going to be quite a bit more than that because we're giving up multiple days and travel and all that. And I have a little sister. I have a two-year-old. I'm actually pregnant right now, um, expecting another. So, you know, we have to think about those personal life things too. Of course, definitely. That's a big part of having a sustainable business as well, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes, hopefully not too often, you have clients that are going to be not that immediately willing to pay your prices. You'll hear some objections and stuff. How can you handle those in the best possible way? You know, I think there's exceptions to it. Like if maybe it is a slow season, they're early in the season, you're feeling like, you don't have your calendar full. It's a great planner, great venue, portfolio piece, like X, Y, Z. I mean, there are definitely exceptions. And we are our own business owners. We can make those executive decisions. As I think as long as you're sort of operating to though out of place of fairness, I always kind of like worry about that because our clients are friends. But I usually find myself just really standing firm in my pricing because of all the things that we've talked about, like I need to make sure I'm paying my bills. I am not in that position where I, I can't make money in the business. Although I, I applaud anyone who can and, and no judgment there. But I think like for me, I have to make sure I'm meeting those revenue goals. And so 
I'm standing firm in that because I know how much work it is. We work really hard as wedding photographers. We give up our weekends. We give up time away from our family and friends. We're on our feet, long hours. It's a lot of energy and thinking and understanding gear and pressure. I mean, we've all gotten the emails like, we've taken thousands of pictures and, you know, but did you get the one photo of this one thing? You know, like (laughs) we've all gotten those emails. (laughs) That one thing that didn't really happen that you just think happened, that thing. (laughs) Right. And it's like at, you know, 7 a.m. the next morning and you're like wiping the crust out of your eyes and like dragging your body out of bed. So, you know, it is a lot of work. And I think anyone who's actually done this for work knows how much work it is. I I really do think like from the outside looking in, you can look at wedding photographers and be like, oh, it's such an easy job. You only work one day a week. Mm -hmm. But you know, (laughs) having been someone like you and like those someone listening in, like it's a lot of work to do this for a living and to actually make it sustainable and, and to make a profit. So all that to say, when someone comes to me and negotiate my price, I do understand and empathize and listen. Okay. But out of a place of fairness to myself, to my other clients, I just really try to explain to them like the prices are based upon the level of service, the knowledge, the type of images. And I show, I'll, I'll say, look, here's a full gallery. And also, if you want to speak to other vendor partners that have worked with us or whatever, like just, you know, kind of finding ways to show them the value that you have. And hopefully you don't have to have those conversations because you're already doing that. Like on social media, through your vendor partners, through your past clients, like hopefully those clients are going to other people and saying, you know, her team was worth every dollar that we spent and the images, that's all that you have. And so hopefully you're not having to do that, but you're going to face it at some point. And, you know, I like to share this one story about, I had a client who booked They were a little bit nervous about price. I stood firm in it. No, 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 that wasn't the order. They came to me, they were nervous about price, but they booked, okay? Then after the fact, within the first 24 hours, another photographer that they had inquired with came to them and said that their prices were lower. So they called me and they asked to get out of their contract, to which I said, sure. Like it had only been a day. And I didn't want them to feel uncertain about their decision. But in the conversation, I reaffirmed the value that we would provide for them. And I just kind of reaffirmed their concerns and listened. And interestingly enough, they stuck with us. They stayed with the contract. But of course, I felt like this extra level of like, oh my gosh, I hope they feel good about this decision. Come full circle after the wedding to this date, that mother of the bride sent us a check for our biggest tip to date. And it was worthy of a check. We'll put it that way. And I was blown away. I felt, you know, like, wow, this is why you do kind of need to not just stand firm, but really bring that value to people so that they get it. Like, oh, this is why we paid what we did because this person really showed up for us. And so I just encourage whoever's listening in to, you know, really show up well. And because you're showing up well, stand firm in your pricing. Yeah, that's great advice because it is, it is so true that no matter where you're at or what kind of price level you're at, it's important that it matches. It has to add up. If you are charging high prices, then you have to show up probably a lot more than someone who's just like, yeah, I'm just going to show up and take some images. That's not going to work when you're charging higher prices. 
No. And your clients will talk about it. Your reviews will reflect that. People talk, you know, they know. So yeah, that's so true. So if someone's struggling, like they can't figure out what to charge, it's really hard, which I know a lot of people are feeling because pricing is hard. Pricing is hard for everyone. So what can they do? Do you have any tips? Yes. I mean, I think what the listener is doing right now is amazing. All the things that we're talking about are so important and things that I and you, like we're sharing because we believe in them, we've experienced them. So I think starting with education is key. It's paramount. I don't know about you, but I did all the reading that I could at the time. It was a lot of just like physical books at Barnes and Noble. So I did a lot of reading back then. So many books. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And mistake making. But right now, you know, here we are. There's free podcasts. We have a YouTube channel. We even have like an education site at catgeducation.com where we have mini courses. Like I have a one hour pricing mini course. I think seeking knowledge, talking to people, listening to experts in your industry is such a great place to start because knowledge truly is power. And the more you understand your business, the better off you're going to be in building that sustainable business and doing something that you love. I always come back to the fact that like I studied architecture, but I love photography. This is what I want to do until my body can't do it anymore. And in order for me to do that, I have to have the practices in place. And anyone who wants to do this has to have the practices in place to sustain the business for the long haul. And I think just having the knowledge is going to really help them do that. So education all day. Yeah, I agree. And I've made the same mistakes that you have. (laughs) I've, I've tried all the different things. I've read all the books and it does make a huge difference when you learn from others and when you don't have to make all the mistakes because someone else has made them for you. Yeah, this is very true. So learn from others' mistakes. And you know, I'm still learning. You know, I don't know if if anyone's ever heard of like Jose Villa or like Joel Serrato, but in our membership, the Wedding Photography Society will like bring people in. And yesterday it's like, I'm listening to Jose and Joel talk and I'm thinking, I am not where they are. I am not yet there, but I am seeking that information, that knowledge so that I can be where they are one day. And, you know, Jose, I think he said he's been doing this for 25 years right now. And it's another thing just to kind of like know that it's not going to happen overnight, but you can continue to always learn. I am not a master yet. I am continuing to strive to be every single day. Yeah, we both are. We all are. That's what we're doing. We're just learning. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. So to kind of tie things back together, how or what would you recommend to do to build a sustainable business? So I think in going back to the very beginning, you know, your question about what is a sustainable business, I think it's always keeping that awareness of your personal self and your professional self. And there are going to be times where, you know, life swings one way and it swings the other. Like when I had my first baby, I set up some really hard boundaries around my personal self. And I'm kind of feeling like that again. Like, you know, I need to really think about what am I committing to? What am I saying yes to? And then I had already told Brad, you know, not too long ago, my husband, I said, I can see that next year I'm going to go back to that conference again, or next year I'll be able to do X, Y, Z. 
But I think just keeping that awareness would be one thing. Also, just understanding that even in listening to education and podcasts, YouTube, all the things, sometimes you're going to be like, oh my goodness, this feels like a lot of information. I can't factor all these things in in one day. And that is very true. You are not going to be able to do all the things in one day, one you know year even. And so I just encourage you know them to take it one thing at a time and one day at a time and just slowly start to build the business, the portfolio. And before you know it, as you're gradually growing, like all things are also building and becoming stronger. And so, yeah, I think that... And, and just not comparing yourself. I don't know. I mean, that's a hard one. That's a whole nother thing all in of itself. But just reminding yourself that it does take time. And so that would be my advice to build a sustainable business for them. I love that. That's perfect. So where can the listener go to keep learning from you, Catherine? So I think the best place would be our resources site, Cat G Resources. There's a lot of really great information there that they can learn from. So I would direct them there. And I also just wanted to quickly say that I wanted to say thank you to you for having me and for putting out this podcast. Actually listened in to a few of the episodes. You're such a great interviewer. I love the questions you ask and the intentionality that you have. You're so organized. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I think that this is very, very beneficial. I truly believe that the education and the knowledge that the listeners getting will bring them far in the business and not just building any business, but one that they can have for the long haul. So thank you so much. I'm really happy to have an honor to have been here today. Oh, thank you. It's been great having you. And pricing, as I said before, is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's so important and it's so hard. And I think it's it's important that everyone knows that it's not easy for anyone. It's not like you've just come up with something and then suddenly everything works. Like you said, if someone asks for something tailor-made, you still have to sit down and be like, okay, so how can I do this in the best possible way? So there's no right, no wrong, and no reason to feel ashamed if you're feeling like you don't understand it or if it's not making sense or if your prices are way too low we've all been there <laughs> yes a hundred percent and it's okay like it's okay to be there because you're learning and you're growing and you know the information is there and they're seeking it and i think that's the best place to be mm, definitely well thank you so much Catherine. i'll be sure to link to your resources in the show notes so that you're easy to find but thank you so much for doing this oh my gosh you're so welcome thank you for having me you just listened to an episode of sustainable photography please share this episode with a photographer you care about 